1: And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show and just the last few minutes, we're getting word that the Colbert Nine have been cleared of unlawful entry charges. Remember when staffers of the late show with Stephen Colbert were caught with recording comedy skits and doing other things inside the House Capitol building? And a lot of people were saying, boy, is that double standards because they were not allowed to be in there. They had been cleared earlier in the day, but were not allowed to come back in. And they were in there at the time of the January 6th hearings. So a lot of people said, throw the book at them. Because if you look at the January 6th, folks, boy, more than 800 of them have been charged with various charges, including unlawful entry, obstruction, uh, you know, uh, demolition of property. I mean, the whole list goes on and on and on. But just in the last little bit... The Colbert Nine, the members of the Stephen Colbert staff, have had all charges dropped against them after they were there after hours without permission in June. So, boy, are there a lot of double standards going on. And that's a good place to start here on this Monday here on the Rita Cosby Show because lots of stuff happening in the news. And we're going to get to a lot of hot topics tonight. I hope all of you had an awesome weekend. First off, some good news. Dr. Fauci is retiring and it can't come soon enough because, boy, we still have so many questions about this guy, I do, on his gain-of-function research. What was he doing with the Wuhan lab? Remember, even Obama didn't want him to continue that type of research and somehow he was doing it. We didn't even know about it. In fact, I remember we had Trump staffers here on the show. Peter Navarro, I remember, was on our show here. And he said he didn't know anything about Fauci with any ties to the Wuhan lab. And he was in basically every discussion with then-President Trump. So why was Fauci hiding all of this? And maybe when he leaves office, maybe we'll get to the bottom of it, hopefully sooner. Because, boy, the world needs to know what really happened with COVID-19 and what were the real origins of it? Take a listen. First off, here is Fauci, because the word got out this weekend that he will probably retire again, not soon enough for me, but he is planning to retire at the end of Pre- President Biden's first, and it may be his only term.
2: I gave an interview with a reporter and they said, you know, you're going to have to step down sometime. You can't be in this job forever. And I said, you're absolutely right. I can't be in this job forever and I don't anticipate I'll be in this job before the end at at the end of the first term of President Biden which is January 2025 somehow that got interpreted that it's announcing my retirement I just said that it is extremely unlikely in fact for sure that I'm not going to be here beyond January 2025 so sometime between now In January 2025, you can guarantee I'll step down.
1: Please, we are begging you. And what do you think, everybody? The fact that we still don't know the answer about the Wuhan lab. They never really got pressured. Fauci always gave them a free pass. And remember all those emails that he had between scientists where it was like, well, we're not going to go into that topic. We're not going to discuss it. And remember, he wasn't even discussing All the issues with the research grant that he had that he didn't tell anybody about that. What a coincidence. It led to the Wuhan lab. So what's your reaction about Dr. Fauci retiring? And what's your reaction to the fact that here we will, you know, whatever evidence was there, there may still be some. But I kind of doubt it. Anything in China, I don't think we're ever going to be able to figure out. This administration gave it a free pass. Joe Biden, when he was on the phone with the president of China, gave it a free pass. So don't you think that Fauci really deserves to answer questions for the American public? It's one 800 848 one 800 What do you think of the fact that Fauci is saying he will retire, but it's at the end of Joe Biden's first and maybe only term? So we'll find out, but it's still a little bit away. And don't you think he deserves to be on the hot seat? I mean, he's been grilled, but I, in, in my mind, there are still so many unanswered questions, and it is unbelievable that so far we still have not taken China to task for COVID-19. The WHO hasn't taken them for task. I mean, it's astounding. A- and the fact that Fauci is still in the position— After all the mistakes were made, and there's even discussions now, that a number of places like L.A. is looking at doing masking up inside again. And Dr. Fauci is going, oh, I think that that's a good idea. I mean, this guy is all over the place. He has no idea what he's doing. And I don't think he's been forthright with the American public. Do you? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222 one 800 And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Here's a little bit more of Dr. Fauci saying that he has other plans after he leaves government.
2: Obviously, you can't go on forever. I do want to do other things in my career. Even though I'm at a rather advanced age, I have the energy and the passion to continue to want to pursue other aspects of my professional career. And I'm going to do that sometime. I'm not exactly sure when, but I don't see myself being in this job to the point where I can't do anything else after that. So that's the reason. It has nothing to do with pressures, nothing to do with all the other nonsense that you hear about, all the bobs and the slings and the arrows. That has no influence on me.
1: Oh, yeah. So that's right. It's all just a bunch of hogwash. It's only millions upon millions of people who've been killed in the biggest virus attack in modern history. And don't worry about it. You just happen to have a grant at the same lab where it looks like something originated and no one's been able to investigate. You've put no pressure on China. You've never really criticized China. I mean, shame on you. This is so incredible. This guy, I think, has caused more disaster than almost any other single American. And the fact that we still don't know, I don't believe in coincidences, the fact that there was this grant money. You cannot tell me that that is just some coincidence. He didn't reveal it to the president of the United States or his staff. It suddenly, like, came out because it was forced out by members of Congress. Thank goodness for people like Rand Paul. Take a listen. Remember this exchange with Rand Paul and the good Dr. Fauci? And then on January of 2017,
2: the Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House issued the current policy. And coincidentally, I, I coincidentally have not changed changed the definition any appeared, definition.
3: appeared on the same day the NIH said that, yes, there was a gain of function in Wuhan the same day the definition appeared, the new definition, to try to define away what's going on in Wuhan. Until you accept it, until you accept responsibility, we're not going to get anywhere close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign.
1: Bravo, Rand Paul. And by the way, that just may be the tip of the iceberg. I was so happy to hear this weekend that Congressman James Comer, who was on the oversight committee in the House, he's a GOP member. And right now, you know, the GOP doesn't have any oversight capability, as we see from the January 6th hearing, because everything is just all Democrat uh, and pseudo Democrats like Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. Yet, if The House becomes in GOP hands in November. Comer and others have said one of the top things on the list will be to look at good old Hunter Biden and his business dealings with the president, potentially, and others. And also, let's bring back Dr. Fauci. Take a listen, because he said it this weekend that Dr. Fauci will absolutely be on the hot seat.
3: Hunter Biden and Dr. Fauci will be the two top people that we investigate (laughs) uh, in the House Oversight Committee because there's so much that the American taxpayers are having to cope with because of the, the misdeeds of these two people. You know, we unearthed the emails that showed in the very beginning, Dr. Fauci's earliest advisors from February of 2020 said, uh, when this first was happening, that this is obviously a lab leak and there's, this is obviously a man-made virus. So Dr. Fauci spent the next three weeks trying to get his advisors together. He told them to stop emailing so there wouldn't be any uh, FOIA evidence there. And he said, look, uh, we need to be on the same page here.
1: Boy, is Dr. Fauci fishy Fauci. That's my mind. FF, fishy Fauci. And who would you put first on the list if you are in that House committee? Would you first go for Hunter Biden or would you go for Dr. Fauci? Or would you try to do both at the same time, maybe within a few hours, if the Republicans take the House? Boy, those are hearings I really want to see because we still have not Gotten to the bottom by far of either. 1 800 848 9222. 1 848 9222. Let's go to Alice on line six in Cincinnati, Ohio. Alice, how are you? Very well. Thank you
4: for taking my call. It's not just Dr. Fauci, it's also Dr. Burks who works with him. And she was interviewed. I uh, She has a book coming out. And she has indicated in this book that she altered some of her findings when she was working with Donald Trump. So she should also be on the hot seat. And I think they should all they should all go after every one of them.
1: You know, Alice, I saw that, too, about uh, Deborah Burks admitting that she basically kind of like jimmied the results to try to, like, do different strategies with the president and the administration. I thought that was kind of stunning um, because this is not where you want to be jimmying anything i mean this is such life or death issues and uh, i i thought that was absolutely interesting too i'm really glad you brought that up because you're right she after that i want to hear her too uh what would be your first question by the way to fauci if you were on the committee alice oh how do
4: you address a snake
1: mm. uh
4: you know i really i i, I guess I, I i can't think of it why did you shut this country down because you you ruined our economy. You ruined the credibility of a good man and good people.
1: Uh, he he's a snake. He'll
4: he'll get out of it.
1: Yeah, he'll try to get out of it. But you know what? It'll be interesting. If Republicans are in control and they can get access to some of these documents, we may finally get answers once and for all. Alice, thank you. Really great to hear from you. Thank you. Let's go to Greg. On line three in New Jersey. Go ahead, Greg, your thoughts.
2: Hi, Rita. My thoughts are just, you know, these people are just a joke. This Fauci is a slimy, grimy individual. They all are. And they know they're on their way out. And just like at the
5: end of World War II, if you've ever seen, like, nostalgic pictures, all the Germans, they partied their butts off because they knew that this was the end. And so they're
2: just snatching and grabbing and robbing and stealing everything they can get their hands on because they know they're gone.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And by the way, he knows. I mean, look at the way they handled this January 6th committee. And if they think that they're going to get a free pass, if the Republicans take the House, uh, they've got another thing coming because this has been such a one sided, slanted uh, witch hunt this January 6th hearing. And you can imagine uh, when you look at what we've already seen so far with people like Hunter Biden, what we've already seen so far with Dr. Fauci. I mean, and the fact that China has never been taken to task and that he's never criticized China either. Like China's gotten this free pass from Fauci and yet he's been critical. He doesn't like Rand Paul, but the Chinese are okay in his mind. Wuhan lab, a plus, you know, Rand Paul, D or E, you know, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, what planet is Dr. Fauci on? Greg, thank you very much. Let's go to Chris in New Jersey on line eight. Chris, your thoughts about Dr. Fauci?
5: a Good night. He's a snake. I want to know how a guy to work for our government for that long as an
2: infectious disease expert owns as many patents as he owns while he was working for the government. The United States government should own those patents. I also saw a video clip of Fauci where he said, this administration will face a pandemic. What was that alluding to? And was that the Trump administration he was talking about? And he's also connected to Moderna. The guy's just a snake. He's a
3: mad scientist. He's dangerous.
1: You know, you you hit a great point, by the way, about the big pharma ties with him. Because you're right. How does he have these patents how does he have these sort of financial interests? I mean, to me, that's such a conflict of interest. And just like you said to Chris, you brought up another great point about him predicting that there was going to be this sort of pandemic, that there was going to be this virus. It was like, how would you predict that if somebody had said to me, you know, in 2018, you know, oh, God, you know, there's going to be, you know, this terrible virus coming in the next year or two um and it's going to be devastating it's going to shut down the world and the world economy i would think that they were nuts but you're right dr fauci was making some of these claims that was odd um and it turns that he's got you know contacts in big pharma uh contacts and interest in you know in some of these uh you know some of the uh vaccines and some of the research there's some really unseemly parts about this and he just seemed to be enjoying the limelight way too much at a time where the whole world was in crises and he was happy to be you know remember when brad pitt played him on saturday night live like that was like the be all end all for fauci like forget him don't worry about that coronavirus brad pitt is playing me on saturday night live like he just seemed to be enjoying the moment too much at a time where the the world was miserable um, great points, Chris. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. one 800 848 And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show.
0: It's The Rita Cosby Show.
1: To talk out of both sides of your mouth. And Congressman James Comer says if the GOP takes the House in November, and that's just a few months away, he has a lot of questions for the good doctor, including this one. We knew
3: sooner or later people would start talking. This isn't going to be kept bottled up by Dr. Fauci forever. Dr. Fauci at one time was a very powerful, very popular person in America. Now he is not. And I think people are going to come out of the woodwork. And I know that when the Republicans take the majority, uh, they're going to want to tell their story. And they're they're going to want to tell about the efforts of this uh, Fauci administration to try to cover up the origination of COVID-19.
1: That's an interesting point. If he's no longer maybe in office because he's looking at retiring in a few years, which it's not soon enough, but maybe at that point people will say, well, or if they know he's out the door, that he's now put kind of a deadline on it, maybe they will speak and say, hey, I'm aware he told me to do X, or this document happened here, or this paper trail is there. Maybe there'll be some explosive stuff. We'll see, guys. 1-800-800. Eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Danny on line five. Danny, your thoughts.
5: I'll give you a funny story. About six months into COVID, and I'm over at my mother's house having a little afternoon tea and cookies with the, my mother. She's the same age as uh, Fauci, and we're discussing the issue back in the day. And she says he was such a twerp as a kid. And I go, "Excuse me?" She says he was a twerp as a teenager. I go, "You knew Fauci?" She goes, "I certainly did." I go, "How how have you been keeping this?" under wraps for six months. She goes, my my friend Margaret taught him how to slow dance, and she named the parish. She says he was a weirdo back then. And I just sat there with my Fig Newton and my cup of tea. I said, I can't believe it.
1: That is really, six months. that's so funny. So your mom knew him, and you find it out over Fig Newtons, which are yummy. So over
5: Fig Newtons, five months into COVID, she says, my best friend taught him to slow dance with like an annoyed, look, an annoyed tone that I questioned whether that he, how did you know him? Like I couldn't believe it. But getting back to 20, only the only the weatherman can be more wrong than Fauci and keep his job. And this is just typical of government service. You can do everything wrong. You can be completely incompetent, and you and there's no ramifications. You think if you were the leading economic guy at Goldman Sachs making billion-dollar decisions and you completely botched it, that you'd have a job the next day? Of course not. He's been wrong about everything, and it, the secrets will come out. I. I don't think there's anyone left in the world that doesn't doubt because of the weird mechanisms of this virus that it was man-made. Whether it was leaked intentionally or not, yet to be determined. But there's Fauci, and he was in on it. They were doing all kinds of this unscrupulous scientific stuff that we shouldn't be messing with, and it came back to bite them. And, 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 and,
1: and he the didn't admit work. it, too. I mean, that's the thing that's so interesting, Danny, is that during at the height of it all, wouldn't you say, hey, wait a minute, that lab, if you were doing – you know, uh, research that had no questions to it or nothing suspicious, you would go, you know, it's interesting because that particular lab there uh, had a grant that did X, but he didn't say anything. And then it came out. So he was like forced to reveal it, too, which also makes it even more suspicious, too. I mean, wouldn't that be the first thing? If somebody said to me, oh, it's in Wuhan, I would go, oh, gosh, I know that there's a grant at that place, and they're studying X, and it turns out to be coronavirus that they're doing the grant for and studying with gain-of-function research at that lab that happens to be right down the street from the wet market? I mean, this is crazy. So I'm going to call him now, Danny, after your call, Big Newton Fauci. Because that's a great story. When we come back, we're going to talk to Trump's Deputy National Security Advisor, Victoria Coates, about why Biden was begging Saudi Arabia for oil.
0: Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to blue.
1: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing here on the show every night, where we honor our great men and women in law enforcement. A powerful story coming from the Tucson, Arizona area, where a teen was brought back to life thanks to the quick actions of Nogales police officer Fernando Hernandez. On Sunday, a 14-year-old and his family were able to thank Officer Hernandez, who saved the teen's life. The teen said, I was sinking in the water, and I remember it getting deeper and it getting darker, and then I just fell into like a dream. There was a second that it felt like my spirit was leaving my body. He's talking about the moment that he started to drown in the pool at the Americana Hotel there near Tucson. He was playing with his younger sister when he got a cramp in his leg, and the situation turned from bad to worse fast. When he realized he couldn't get himself out of the water and he started sinking to the deep end of the pool. His family came running and pulled him out, but he was already unconscious and not breathing. So his father started CPR on him until Officer Fernando Hernandez arrived and then took great control of the situation. The officer said, when I first saw him, he was pale and his lips were purple. I was looking at him in his eyes and I just thought to myself, you are not going today. Today. You're not going to die, not on me. And after a minute of CPR, Officer Hernandez saw the teen's eyes open and the teen was then transported to the hospital for recovery and, as you know, is doing okay. What a great story and how beautiful that the teen was reunited with the officer who saved his life. What a beautiful and powerful story. Well, everybody is talking about President Biden's trip to the Mideast. And I'm wondering, why didn't he just go to Mideast Texas? Because it would have been a lot easier. He could have just gone to the central part of Texas, any part across America, and said, hey, let's talk about opening the spigots. Let's talk about drilling for oil as opposed to going over to Saudi Arabia. And so many people were unhappy with his move to go over there to Saudi And also do that fist bump with the Saudi crown prince. Listen to what even Bernie Sanders, a Democrat, has to say about that.
6: You have a a leader of that country uh, who was involved in the murder of a Washington Post journalist. Uh, I don't think that that type of government should be rewarded with a visit by the president of the United States.
1: And here is what Senator John Cornyn, a Republican, had to say about the president's visit.
6: He could expand American energy production and solve the same problem. Of course, as we know, it's not just a matter of investment, it's also infrastructure, things like the Keystone XL pipeline. And as our friends in Europe are finding out, having been dependent on Vladimir Putin so long for their sole energy source, it takes time to transition to diversity of sources. So. Um, It was a little embarrassing, frankly, to watch the president go over there and essentially hat in hand and ask for something that we could produce right here in America.
1: Yeah, it is so crazy. And our next guest also spotted some really interesting dynamics as to who was there in the meetings on the Saudi side and who didn't come on the U.S. side. And joining us now is great foreign policy expert and intelligence security expert, Victoria Coates. She is the former deputy national security advisor to then President Trump. Uh, Victoria, great to have you here on the show.
7: Thank you, Rita. Wonderful to be with you. And, And also, I just want to add my thanks to Officer Hernandez from your previous your previous segment. That is such a great story. And we're all grateful for his service.
1: Absolutely. You know what I love, by the way, I love doing that every night on the show, Victoria, where we shine a light on officers. And it just it lets people know of all the incredible things that they do, um, you know, and, and, and the difficult situations they're in. Um, you understand, of course, security so well um, and domestic and international security. What was your reaction first off? And you made a really interesting uh, perception and noticed who was sitting there during the Saudi meeting and who wasn't sitting there on the U.S. side. And that said a lot to you. Tell me your reflections of the Biden visit.
7: It was really interesting,
1: Rita. And it was when we were talking on Saturday morning,
7: I was looking at the picture because when you're, you're in this world, you, you always look at who's sitting at the table. And I'm looking at the picture, and I realized that Prince Abdulaziz, who is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia's half-brother, sitting to his right hand. Which is not necessarily always gonna be the case, but he's there he's the most senior energy guy. He is the head of OPEC, he was he's their their energy minister. You look at the other side, we have a special envoy from the from the State Department. Our secretary of energy was in Singapore tweeting about how she wanted to lower uh, prices for electric vehicles. It wasn't serious. And when you see that, you realize the Saudis came with the people who can talk business. Like, how are we going to do this? And the Americans didn't. And that,
1: then the whole thing came off the rails. Now, let me ask you do you think that part of the reason that that happened? was because they didn't want the perception that they were going over there with what we all knew they were going to do and sort begging for oil. Um, you know, they were trying to make it sound like, oh, oil isn't really the reason we're going over there. We're uh, going to talk about something else, you know. Uh, the, every other different reason under the sun. But do, was that the reason or was it just show that they weren't ready to, they're not ready to play with the big boys? I think I think they were trying to thread the needle. Uh, I mean,
7: at this point, they see, I mean, the fact that they took the president to Saudi Arabia means that they're pretty desperate to try to get some kind of a deal on increased oil supplies. But this then, I mean, and that's where the whole thing is internally conflicted. Like, if you're actually going to go and you're gonna have these conversations and you have to bring the right people. So on the one hand, they're gonna move the president of the United States, but on the other, they won't move the secretary of energy. It's it's bizarre. And the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. And it's why it's it's not gonna do anything. And the president at the end of the trip said, oh, my gosh, just wait a couple of weeks and prices will go down. I actually think the
1: opposite is going to take place. You know, what did you make of the fact that, and I agree with you, I'm not confident we're going to see any impact. I mean, in fact, even the Saudis, even afterwards, uh, basically said it's just a minimal amount that they'll be able to do more, that they can't do that much more. The other thing is, too, is President Biden's over there, and he's not blaming His policies, his green energy policies, his far left folks' green energy policies, he's blaming mom and pop gas stations. What did you make of that? He's so out of touch, not acknowledging that he created this problem, Victoria. It's just painful, Rita. And I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania.
7: I know a lot of these people who own these various stations. They don't make money off of gas, they make money off of the the various other things they sell out of their out of their stores they have to buy the gas at a certain level and then sell it at that so the president doesn't understand how those mom and pop shops work and he's just hanging them out to dry and trying to blame them for what's actually his fault of not like as you said at the, in the lead-in, why isn't he going down to Texas? Why isn't he coming out to Pennsylvania? Why isn't he just bringing together U.S. production, sending the signal that this is what we're going to do, that this is what would actually bring together a a reduction of prices at the pump. It would actually help those mom-and-pop businesses, but but he refuses to do it.
1: Yeah, he absolutely refuses to do it, and he refuses to acknowledge that it had any part of the role. In fact, today there's word that the White House is now looking at maybe doing some big executive order um, on green energy and, and green emission. I mean, all this stuff that you're like, wait, 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 don't you realize How catastrophic it's been. Um, I want to ask you also, and everybody, we are talking to Trump's deputy national security advisor who worked for him then when he was in the White House, Victoria Coates, uh, one of the great, great foreign policy folks out there. and We're so thrilled to have her here on the show. Um, I want to ask you also, Victoria, your thoughts on this war of words between the Saudis and also President Biden, um, because they claim that he did not bring up Khashoggi. They also say that he didn't really talk about oil production, which would make sense if he didn't bring the energy secretary. But he was asked about uh, the whole thing about Khashoggi. Adil al Jaber, who you probably know, who's now the foreign minister. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've known Adil, by the way, for decades because he used to be the um, ambassador from Saudi to Washington. And he's the one who came out and said that, yeah, the president proclaimed that he spoke about Khashoggi to the crown prince. Of course, that horrible case where he had been killed so brutally. And, um, and of course, U.S. intelligence pointing to the crown prince and others in Saudi. Um, but, uh, and everybody said, okay, did you bring it up? Did you bring it up? It was one of the first questions to President Biden when he was over there. And he said, oh, right away I brought it up to him and I told the prince that crown prince that he thought he was responsible. Um, and then he kind of moved on, but he made it sound like he was kind of talking tough. Um, and yet Adol al Jaber is claiming that Khashoggi wasn't brought up, and that Biden never said about Khashoggi, never said, uh, you're responsible to the crown prince. I want to play this is President Biden responding to that because he was asked about this when he came back on U.S. soil. Take a listen, Victoria. The Saudi foreign
8: minister says he didn't hear you accuse the crown prince of Khashoggi's murder. Is he telling the truth? No.
1: So he was asked, The you know, the representative said, mm-hmm. you didn't bring up the murder, and is he telling the truth? And Biden says, no. In other words, I did. Who do you believe? Look, I mean,
7: what Otto said was he didn't hear it. So this was not something that was said prominently by President Biden. He didn't insist on it. And I think it just goes to show you why it's really difficult if the president of the United States puts himself in this kind of a box that he has done, and he has said he is going to make this a major case. So what he may or may not have said quietly to Crown Prince Mohammed, you know, who knows? Like, there's no way to prove it. And what you've done is given this kind of liminal space where people can say we have heard it, we haven't heard it. It, it. it just make your policy clear, follow it up, and then you know get results for the American people. And what I've seen from this trip is no results. I mean, nothing good is happening out of this. Nothing has been helpful and now you've got a lot of confusion about what was said or wasn't said and it's really unfortunate
1: yeah it is and and clearly it wasn't as you suggest that's a great point victoria that it wasn't so prominent if it was said at all it was sort of uh, whispered under the breath or something very low key because it clearly wasn't a focal point for the saudis you know and they would remember mm-hmm. that believe me if he brought that up Um, You know that. Uh, Victoria, great to have you here. Victoria Coates, uh, President Trump's former Deputy National Security Advisor. Great to have you here on the show. Always good to talk to talk with you, rather, Rita. Thank you very much. Always great to connect with you. Thank you so much, Victoria. We really appreciate it. We're taking your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Who do you believe? Uh, Do you believe the Saudis? Do you believe... Biden, the president, uh, clearly he didn't bring it up that it was so noticeable. Uh, The Saudis are saying the head foreign minister there is saying, I don't remember him bringing up Khashoggi. I don't remember him blaming the crown prince at all. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. And Biden just kind of threw it. Oh, yeah, I kind of brought it up at the top. And, you know, I was strong, just like I was with China. As we were talking about Dr. Fauci before, when President Biden was on the phone with China, With Xi Jinping. Think about this. He's on the phone with the leader of China. And this was when the pandemic was still raging big time. He doesn't ask him about the coronavirus. He doesn't ask him about the Wuhan lab. He talks with him about, you know, copyrights or something like that, which is, you know, an issue. But you're not going to talk about the coronavirus when we know that it originated in China. The question is where? And there's a good chance it was the Wuhan lab. So if we're saying that he was as tough with the Saudis as he was with China, then he's a whipping willow because that was a wimp. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman on line one. Norm, your thoughts about President Biden and his trip that was a nothing burger, I think.
9: Um, I believe the Saudis. I believe that, I believe that, uh, he didn't bring it up. I don't think he has the capacity to bring it up. I don't think if it's, unless it's written down for him, he's not going to bring anything up. I mean, anyway, yeah.
1: That's a, by the it's way, that's a well. great, you're, you know, Norm, that's a really yeah. great point. Like, did, was there a cue card that said, you will bring it up. You will say right. this. Um, and I, right. I, I hate to say it. The fact that he didn't, Ask China about the coronavirus at the height of it all. You're on the head of. So and then he compares it to the two, which makes me think he didn't bring it up. I agree with you.
9: Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I mean, I wrote down my thoughts. Look, we have have petroleum oil all over our American states. We have oil between us and Canada. We could get oil from the sands of Canada. So why are we buying oil from the Saudis? You know, whose oil? Extraction of it causes more pollution than the other places, since they don't have an EPA. So, I mean, I just, yeah, you know, I, I can see it. Everything is just going up and up and up and up, and I can see that. You know, I think we're reaching a tipping point here. I think we're re- we're reaching a tipping point, and and uh, hopefully, hopefully there'll be a red wave, although. I don't know. We got, like I said, we've discussed it with you before. We got a lot to go before, before November. But, you know, I, I just, I'm just seeing things. I, I saw something quite dramatic. Just, just example yesterday. I went to a KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I go in there. There's a couple of in there. They look pretty down on their luck. They asked, they asked the people behind the counter, do you still have the $20 fill up? And it used to be $20. They'd fill you up a bucket. And they said, "No, no, we don't have it anymore." And then I bought my eight-piece dinner, and it was thirty dollars. Wow, it's thirty dollars to get eight pieces of chicken, which I shouldn't be eating, by the way. But you know, the thing is, it's eight. It's thirty dollars. It's gone up. It's gone up in a year and a half. It's gone up more than ten bucks.
1: And by the and way, as you know, thank you, yep. President Biden, Norm. You know yeah, that you yeah. know. And you you brought up a perfect example, Norm, because. It's it's also like you just said, it's the yeah. amount and and manufacturers of all kind, whether it's food like KFC and or whatever it is, a lot of them have admitted that they've had to cut back. And that's the way they're saving money is by giving, right. you know, the eight pieces as opposed to a bucket. Um, but you're right. And, and, and they're, I'm they're not confident, a- Norm, it's going to get right. any better. Are you?
9: No, no, they're making us suffer. It just seems like, you know, for the, their wonderful little green great reset, which, you know, all these like wealthy people are thinking about, whether it's Gates or whatever, All the, their wonderful great reset, they're really making us suffer. Yeah, you know? it is. And, and I don't – I tell you, I don't know who anybody in their right mind – and you got at least two of them who call your station who, – who will vote for this man again and vote for this party. I, I – I, you know we we had a paradise, we had a paradise for four years. Things were just going so damn well in this country, and everything just got turned on its head. It got turned on its head, you know and and I don't know it just frustrates the hell out of me no no no. You, You're, you, no, you' no, you are night. right.
1: There are so many issues, and you think about just now it's like the economy and in the next hour and Norm, thank you very much for the call, but in the you know we're going to talk about border. Um, You know, because that's a whole different situation to crime. My God, there are so many problems and so many issues now. And you're right. Things are just they are skyrocketing. I mean, if somebody said that a president could mess up the country, you know, uh, single handedly with a little bit of help from his team uh, within such a short time, I'd almost go, are you kidding me? But boy, now we have proof and the polls show it, too. And it is it has been scary, scary. We're going to continue talking about this, you guys. And Biden's visit to the Middle East begging for oil doesn't really get any results. And why is he not going to mid-Texas as opposed to the Mideast? one 800
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show.
1: We are talking about ZZ Top. I love those guys with the long beards. They are the best. And we are talking about Joe Biden's policies that have been all over the place. He leaves the Mideast begging for oil, doesn't really come back with anything. And now they're conflicting reports as to even if he said anything about the butchered Washington Post journalist Gamal Khashoggi which was just such a horrible, horrible case when that happened to Jamal Khashoggi. It was horrible. And Biden says, oh, I was tough with the Saudis, just like I was with the Chinese. And boy, he wasn't tough with the Chinese. So that means we are in trouble. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan on line five. Stan, your thoughts about this?
10: How are you today? Hope you had a good weekend.
1: I did, Stan. How about you. Yeah,
10: it's getting hot all week. Anyway, (laughs) and you're hot tonight, riotous Rita. Yes, we are.
1: R-R. All
10: right, Rita. First of all, I'm laughing to death about the previous caller. He's got the notes in front of him, huh? Then wake up, brain boy, because we didn't import oil from Saudi Arabia. We asked them to produce more oil for the marketplace, and the price has gone down about 50%. So the numbers are going down slowly. But they're going down. So I would suggest don't look at your notes. Look at what's going on. Leave the Lindbergh letter. Oh, you Stan, Stan, stuff. you're
1: you are you are slamming Norm, who called before, who is actually a really I like Norm. He's a really smart guy. And but why do you, why do you have a problem with? You seem to think that Biden was like a big success in the mid east. You may be the only one in America who says that, Stan. Oh,
10: look. Nobody. Uh, it's it's a very very difficult situation. Stan, it
1: was a joke. How could he not? No, how not could a he? Joke how could he not? How could he not go after Khashoggi? And he claims he did. That's the problem.
10: If you know anything, the point of the meeting is we don't want the Saudis to get in the Russian or the Chinese sphere, and that's one of the reasons he went over there. They keep them to some extent in line so that we can do business and with And guess him.
1: what? They were laughing at him. They were like, oh, look, he's coming over. And you remember, he made it sound like, oh, I'm not. He was afraid to even admit he was meeting the guy. And the first thing he does, the crown prince comes over and they give each other a fist bump like they're college buddies. It just was so unprofessional, Stan. And you know it, and I know it. And sadly, the bottom line is, sadly, the world knows it. And that's what I'm concerned about. We're going to continue with your calls after the break.
2: Bisty,
0: fearless and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby show. I know your name,
9: Rita, your
1: and you're listening to the Rita Cosby show. By the way, we always love to keep you updated with the latest news. And this is fascinating, Uh, coming from MSNBC, which I don't often quote, but MSNBC reporting that there was a Justice Department memo from May that just got leaked that they got a copy of from Merrick Garland, the attorney general of the United States, that basically says there will be no substantial indictments before the midterms, citing Bill Barr's 2020 DOJ policy. Election sensitivities. Isn't that interesting? So what does that mean? Does that mean that Bill Barr would not go after anybody tied to January 6th or anywhere else that could be inferred prior to the November elections? But then what afterwards? It's fair game. Democrats are going crazy tonight all over social media saying, what? Fire Merrick Garland immediately that he would wait for election sensitivities. And he said, citing Bill Barr's DOJ policy, which was Bill Barr's DOJ policy essentially in 2020, that if it's an election year, you don't want to look like you're interfering in politics. So that's an interesting development. What are your thoughts about that? Where does that go? Does that mean that he's holding off on an indictment? Who are they referring to? Are they referring to, A former president? Are they referring to members of Congress? And it doesn't look like Merrick Garland holds back on anything. He seems to be like a big political uh, waffle blower, up and down, kind of going with the seasons. Remember, he's the guy who went after parents as domestic terrorists, basically. So it would be stunning that he would be waiting for anything because he seems to just wait until he gets the go ahead. Even though he says he is not political, he seems to be incredibly political. But that's an interesting development that he could be waiting for something until after the November elections. Again, a memo coming out, according to MSNBC, that just broke that a May 22nd Justice Department memo from Merrick Garland that basically says there will be no substantial indictments before midterms, citing Bill Barr's 2020 DOJ policy of election sensitivities. Very interesting developments. we'll talk about that, I'm sure, more tomorrow because this week is going to be a big week and an interesting week with also the January 6th hearings and so much more. Meantime, we are talking about what's been going on with Joe Biden because the one good thing that happened for Joe Biden while he was over in the Middle East and Israel and then went over to Saudi, at least people were talking about his trip and not talking about his dismal poll numbers, at least not for a few days. Everybody was talking about, OK, is there going to be a fist bump? Is there going to be a handshake? Is there going to be this? Is there going to be that? Well, everybody is saying that his policies are just nuts and have created this crisis. I mean, it really has created this crisis. Stan, who just called... Is really on Mars because he's like, oh, you know what? Things are going to get better. Don't worry about it. It's like, yeah, right. This is the president who said that he didn't see anything coming. Um, He didn't realize that there even was going to be any issues with basically gas prices, uh, baby formula. The list goes on and on and on. He doesn't even acknowledge there's a problem at the border still. I mean, there are just so many issues. And in fact, Jill Biden came out over the weekend. Did you see this? She did a big fundraiser in nantucket and at the fundraiser she said you know joe had just so many hopes and so many dreams for his presidency but he's just had to deal with so many issues at every turn well i mean are you kidding me you are the president of the united states and so many of these problems are inflicted by him and his policies and his far left policies and today here he is going for begging for oil in Saudi Arabia. It's an embarrassment and it's an outrage because we have the oil here. Today, they're talking about doing an executive order to pass more green energy climate restrictions in America. So let's just dig the wound even bigger in the United States and let's beg from people like Saudi Arabia and elsewhere even more. I mean, this to me is it's it is the definition of insanity. And this is what Senator John Cornyn had to say about it, too.
6: And as we come out of this post-COVID recession, uh, where the economy is demanding more energy in order for people to live their lives and pursue their livelihood, um, there's got to be more supply. And the president, as I said, is looking in the wrong places. He's looking to the Saudis. He's looking to the Russians, even though at the same time he's telling people, we don't want you buying any more Russian oil and gas. So that leaves the obvious solution uh, here in America. But in order to appease his uh, his base, his progressive base, who believe we can transition to wind turbines and, and uh, solar panels tomorrow. Um, frankly, I think he's uh, they're living a fantasy.
1: Yeah, they are living in a fantasy. And sadly, we're along for the ride. And our pocketbooks are along for the ride. And meantime, nobody really seems to have any faith that this president actually spoke out to the crown prince about human rights. Because remember, he said, oh, I'm not going over there to beg for oil, even though he clearly was, because uh, he didn't want to admit it. Oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk about the death of Jamal Khashoggi. Well, the Saudi foreign minister came out, Anal al Jaber came out and said, if he did say it, I don't remember it in the meeting. So whatever he said was clearly, if he said it at all, so low key or under his breath and so unimpressive that nobody remembers it in the meeting. And remember, they wouldn't allow cameras in the meeting. Surprise, surprise. Well, John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesperson, said, no, no, no. Biden did bring it up. Uh, I trust Biden. Take a listen. Well, the foreign minister, if you look at what he
2: said, he said he did not hear uh, that part of the conversation. The president absolutely said uh, what he told the American people, he said about Jamal Khashoggi's killing and about his belief and who was responsible for that. Um, the, The president stands by his account. The foreign minister of Saudi Arabia said he didn't hear it. And maybe he didn't. But that doesn't mean that President Biden didn't actually say it. And I would add more critically, that the very first agenda item on the president's list when he sat down with the crown prince and other Saudi officials was Jamal Khashoggi. Mentioned him by name, first thing on the list, as well as other human rights concerns that we have with Saudi Arabia. It was the very first item on the
8: president's agenda.
1: Uh, does anybody believe that? First of all, Adil al Jaber, I rarely would side with somebody outside the American president, but Adil al Jaber is a well known, respected diplomat. And he said he didn 't hear it, so I believe he didn 't hear it, so whatever he said was so lackluster and so unimpressive that the Saudis don 't even remember it one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 let 's go to b j in queens line six b j your thoughts
8: hey Rita. Thanks for having me on so you know I mean this trip accomplished absolutely nothing. He would have been better off if he stayed at home. And left somewhat of a curiosity as to whether or not how weak the country was. He walked over to that place. He went over to that that country, and now they know how weak we are. They they without a doubt. I mean, they. I looked at the coverage of it. They looked confused as to why he was even there. They didn't seem to have any uh, consensus. They didn't seem to have any uh, dialogue between them. Uh, it almost looked like the crown prince was visiting a, a, a very old. Parent in in the nursing home, and I, I'm trying to be kind, but he, Joe Biden looked confused. And uh, our gas prices, you know, our, it's a funny thing. When Donald Trump left office, they were a little bit above two dollars. We're supposed to be happy now that they're a little bit above uh, below five dollars, and that's only because the states have cut the gas tax uh, of the individual states. So uh, they've given no like intent- a
1: temporary break. You're right.
8: That's it. There's no incentive for the Saudis to help us. As far as Khashoggi is concerned, that's a smokescreen. As important as that is from a human rights standpoint, that is a total red herring. No, but you, fire know, but, but you know what's
1: interesting, BJ? It says something that that first off, he, he equated the way he delivered the Khashoggi message was he made a point of saying, oh, it's the first thing I said. And he brought it up and, uh, you know, him uh, Biden bringing it up, he said. Uh, And then he said, oh, I was as forceful as China. And remember, he wasn't forceful at all with China. He didn't even bring up COVID with the head of China. So, I mean, to me, I hear you. And obviously it's horrible what happened to Khashoggi. It it is. It's absolutely abominable. Um, But what it also says is that can we trust what he's saying? Because if he makes it sound like he was so forceful in in the middle of that, and nobody in Saudi remembers it. And it clearly seems like it was so lackluster if it if it was said at all. Um, it it says a lot about uh, just how weak he looks, I think, on the world stage. And that saddens me as an American. BJ, thank you. Always love your calls. Let's go to Susan, line eight. Susan, your thoughts. Hi there, Rita. Um, so I, I was just thinking that...
4: Um, this is just unbelievable. Just two, like a week ago, he stood there he, before he went on this trip and said, it's just bizarre that people say that
1: government spending has anything to do with inflation. I know. He's out you know, of it. And he's well, Andy's talking about doing more, Susan. Well, Economics 101 says more money, too much
4: money. After too few goods, we have a labor shortage. We can't produce because he's cut back our energy. So this is you do. This is something you learn if you're first if you're a freshman in economics or if you're an advanced in high school. And he's so befuddled that he has been so brainwashed that this is going to make him even more liberal than FDR. And he, I do think that he is brainwashed. He can't totally grasp it, but he can grasp that because of his ego.
1: Well, so, and Susan, you know, it's interesting. It's not uh, an advanced uh, economics class. It's advanced age, like you said. It's like he's like all over the place, and he was shaking dead air again. You could tell he had to be led to like, oh, no, you're supposed to sit over here. You're supposed to say hi to this. Part. I mean, he just seemed lost. And and he doesn't want to admit that his issues have really I just I think his decision to vilify the oil industry, uh, kill Keystone Pipeline on day one, do all these things have put us in one of the most dangerous positions in American history. I mean, if you look at the decision by doing that, it sends a message that if you're in the oil and gas business, that he is not a friend to you. And it's put us in the worst position at a time right now where we could be energy independent and selling around the world. We could have we could be like, you know, the fountain of youth with oil uh, overflowing everywhere. And this president has put us in such a dire situation where we're begging at a time, you know, where, you know, we don't want to go to Russia. Obviously, we're trying to encourage other people not to go to Russia and we're not giving us the leverage to be able to say, hey, take hours instead. Think about that. I mean, to me, he has destroyed an industry and and really put the world in such a dangerous, precarious position, and he's not even admitting it. All he keeps talking about is green, 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 and it's like the grass is greener. It's like I want to I want to know what is he on because he's not on reality. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Russ in white plains line four go ahead russ
11: hey rita i'm glad to hear Stan's back on his meds there it's uh
1: yeah i think he got a double dose tonight russ so yeah
11: Yeah, because yeah, uh, when you said you're going to lunch with him i think you definitely need a chaperone an armed chaperone
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you,
11: well you know what the term stan means right on the internet
1: oh no what does it mean go ahead
11: there, a stand is a cross between a stalker and a fan and, you know, the way he calls you every night, I think he fits, you know, it's Stan in name and Stan by nature. You oh, stand
1: by me. There you go. But, well, you, know, but you know what? You know what? I, I, I always say, Russ, and Stan knows this and everybody who listens to the show, you all know this. Mm-hmm. I love hearing from everybody. And right. I, I think Stan and I have agreed maybe point oh 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 one percent of the time. Uh, but I, but I appreciate his views and I appreciate his calls. I love hearing from everybody. That's what makes America great. I hate this cancel culture. And, and I've always said, I said this on day one of the show, Russ, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? You will not be canceled on my show, even if I don't agree with you. But I do agree with you that Stan is upping the meds. So okay. that, that, that you and I are in agreement on.
11: Well, you, you can handle anything that comes your way, Rita, and so does WABC. That's where you know WBAI. They hang up on me all the time. They can't deal with it. How I
1: want, dare I they, wanted, Ross? Go ahead.
11: <laughs> I want I to give you my opinion about Biden. I think he's making a deal with Saudi Arabia about uh, Iran. I think this is all a cover story, begging for oil. I think he's over there saying, "Look, uh, you know." My basic premise is World War Three has begun already. So Biden is saying, "Look, if push comes to shove, Saudi, you can finally duke it out with Iran." We'll supply the nukes, and you can blow them up in the desert. That's why we're getting these PSAs, you know, these PSAs that are announcing a nuclear holocaust. Don't ask who did it.
1: Yeah, you know what? That is so weird about the whole uh, PSA thing that you said. It's interesting. You kind of yeah, – you've made some interesting connections there, Russ, because no one can figure out why they did do that nuclear PSA, which is the weirdest thing. You know, it's it's kind of ominous and frightening. Um, And then, just like you said – Clearly, look, the Saudis uh, don't like Iran. We don't like Iran. But, you know, the problem with this, Russ, real quick, is that we also have our president. The craziest thing about all of this is that we have Russia, our adversary, clearly the world's adversary, you know, as we've seen of late um, and through history often. Um, But as we're looking now, you know, we have Russia negotiating for America on the Iran deal. I mean, so this president is such a wimp that he's using Iran. He's begging to try to make a deal, uh, you know, uh, vis-a-vis with Russia to help us with Iran. Uh, Does that make any sense to you, Russ, that we would be at war with Russia and Ukraine and then ask them to help us, uh, beg us? And today it just came out. In fact, as you brought up Iran, Ron basically saying we have the nuclear capability. We're just trying to decide if we're going to use it or not. That's a really scary place to be, Russ, with this president.
11: And they're and they're supplying drones to Russia. You heard that right? right? Yes, armed yeah, drones,
1: armed World attack III, drones.
11: World War Three has begun rita it's just like world war ii for a couple years we weren't in it but it was going on you know what i mean
1: well scary stuff and and you highlighted you know bringing up those drones that's a scary thing because putin is going to be uh meeting with iran very soon this week um he's going over he's meeting with iran and turkey and that's a scary situation and talk about the timing too right after biden goes over to the mid-east uh very powerful points russ thank you very much and, uh, and I'm glad you highlighted the meds that Stan is on. That's always good to know. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. And also, we'll be talking about this and also the border, 1-800-848-9222.
0: you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show.
1: And everybody, by the way, after we come back after the break, we're going to be talking about it's not just Biden's overseas policies that are a mess. It is the border is a mess. And I couldn't believe this over the weekend. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser said this about Greg Abbott, the Texas governor, bussing migrants to D.C. and saying it's causing such an overload of migrants at their facilities. How dare he? Take a listen. The uh, Washington Post reported last week that homeless shelters in D.C. were filling up um, and groups were getting overwhelmed by these buses that
4: the governors of Texas and and Arizona are sending here full of migrants. How significant is this influx? How many people? Well, this is a very significant issue. Uh, We have for sure, called on the federal government um, to work across state lines to prevent um, people from really being tricked uh, into getting on buses. Uh, we we think they're largely asylum seekers uh, who are going to final destinations that are not Washington D.C. Uh, I worked uh, with the White House to make sure that FEMA provided a grant to a local organization um, that is providing services to folks, um, but I fear that they're being uh, tricked into nationwide um, bus trips when their final destinations are places all over the United States of America.
1: So they're coming here illegally and we should feel sorry that they're being shipped to DC. And she is angry that they're taking space up in her shelters. What a surprise. Guess what? This is what basically every state in the country is dealing with. Thanks to liberal policies from mayors like you. When we get back, I want to take your calls about that, because to me it is so outrageous. She's complaining about the overflow of migrants in her facilities in Washington, D.C. Somehow I do not feel sorry for her. Let's go to Mike. Line three, talking about Biden's minis policy. Go ahead, Mike.
5: Um, The eclectic nature of your program is is great, journalistically. I mean, everything Biden does is counterintuitive. He's like President Magoo. He, I mean, oh, my you've done it again if you're old enough to remember that cartoon. I
1: remember you know, that. By the way, that was one of my favorites. I remember that. Yep. I, and, and
5: then it was funny. But now it's not funny. No sooner does he take his hand off the Bible and he's in the Oval Office with assistant principal Nancy Pelosi staring over his shoulder, signing away by executive fiat our energy independence. And that's just the beginning. It relates to the border. It relates to the economy. Boom, boom, boom. It's all connected, and it's nauseating.
1: Yeah, and it's scary, too. You know, it's interesting, and you brought up a great analogy, Mike, about Mr. Magoo. I haven't heard that in a while. Um, But it's funny at first. You go, oh, God, okay, that's kind of funny that he's, like, you know, reaching hands in the air and nobody there to shake his hand or that he has to look at cue cards of you should speak. Uh, Here's where you sit. Here's what I mean. It's really frightening, but now it's downright dangerous. I mean, you look at the way that he has made these fumbles and bumbles on the world stage. You look at the fact that today he was MIA, too. He had to rest up. Does he have the energy? Does he have the mental competency?
0: Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents support on.
1: And in tonight's support, our hero segment, a powerful story coming out of North Canton, Ohio, where a Wadsworth, Ohio veteran who served in the U.S. Army during World War II was presented with France's highest honor at a ceremony at the Air Museum there. Private First Class Leonard Giorgio was presented with the French Legion of Honor in recognition of a service. He was a radio man with the 45th Infantry Division, and he also served in North Africa, Italy, France, and Germany as part of the headquarters company of the 180th Infantry Regiment. He served a total of 455 days in combat. Wow, that's a long time to be in combat. Followed World War II, Private First Class Giorgio became Lieutenant Giorgio. When he accepted a commission in the U.S. Naval Reserve, he served a total of 24 years in both the Army and the Naval Reserve. And how beautiful that he was honored just recently in Ohio and a beautiful message from the people of France thanking America for their help in giving freedom, not just to France, but to the world in World War II. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And I love doing our Support Our Heroes segment Every night here on the show, you know, a lot of the military members are there at the U.S. southern border protecting our border, along with, of course, the Border Guard uh, and local law enforcement, because it's a mess down there. And it's so bad that now D.C.'s mayor, the very liberal Muriel Bowser, uh, who allowed all the big Black Lives Matter signs, remember, to be in front of the White House, allowed the protests basically to happen. I mean, she is liberal, liberal, liberal. Now she was griping over the weekend that Governor Greg Abbott is busing migrants to DC and it's causing such an inconvenience that it is overrunning a lot of their shelters. I say, bravo. To Governor Abbott because it shows that his message is getting through. Remember he said, I'm so fed up with them coming across the border and making Texas such a mess. Or these flights in the middle of the night, the secret flights into Westchester and Nashville and elsewhere across the country. Well, he started busing them to Washington, D.C. And he said, I'm going to just have them show up at lawmakers' doors. That way maybe they'll get the message that these people are overrunning our country. Well, it comes As new numbers are coming in, showing that we've had close to, not yet, but close to 2 million migrants have crossed the border this fiscal year. It's getting close to that number, and that is a record-setting number so far already, how many have crossed. And again, as you know, the year ain't over yet. So there's so many still coming through. Well, a lot of people don't have a lot of sympathy for Muriel Bowser complaining about the way the migrants are overrunning her facilities, because guess what? They're overrunning farms in Texas. Uh, they're committing crimes. They're coming through unregistered. They are overrunning many communities that are paying for their health care and travel and everything else. And she's complaining about what's going on in Texas. Well, this is what's happening in in D.C. now, she says she just can't handle it. She said it's just too much. Too many of them are showing up from Texas. And I'm glad that Governor Abbott said hopefully it is a wake-up call to her and other politicians. And he said he's going to start planning to send some to Delaware. So then they'll show up. And Biden state as well. I say bravo to him. This is what Jesse Waters on Fox News had to say about it as well. Um, she's so dumb. She didn't realize she was
9: making the exact point that every other border state has been right. making that, please, can the federal government do its job so we have room and money to deal with our own people? But in all seriousness, this is how we should have a process. If we need cheap labor in California, set the number, bring them in and give them visas. Hey, if we need high skilled labor in Silicon Valley, yep. bring them in from South Korea, wherever you want. If we need real asylum seekers maybe from Ukraine that are actually fleeing real problems, bring them in. But don't just let the cartels push these people on us. That's not a real
1: plan. And this is what Judge Janine had to say, too, because she said, boy, she's getting a taste of her own medicine. Hats off to uh, Greg Abbott. Yeah. OK, now Washington is a border town.
4: OK, yeah. And she's got to deal with it. Gee, we've got to appeal to the federal government to get money for the homeless shelters. We don't have the ability to put these people into our shelters. And by the way, they're being tricked into going to places not where they originally intended. How do you know that? Did you find out where they really wanted to go, or do they just want to come to America? The people that are being sent to Westchester, where I live, I don't know that they specifically want to be there. They just want to show up and get a job. It's America. It's the cornucopia of wealth and work or whatever it is they want to do. But this is perfect, and I'm thrilled, Muriel.
1: And I agree with Judge Janine. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Pete, line one, go ahead. Your thoughts.
9: Hi, Reed. I've been listening very uh, attentively, a great show, and uh, about with the border. You know, Biden and all these Dems, they got it wrong. In about 10 years, these people that are coming over, that are sneaking over, and that they're letting into the country are going to be Republicans, because most of these people in the neighborhood where I live, they are anti-abortion. And these people don't believe in killing babies. That's why they have... So many of them, you know what I'm saying? And I think it's going to turn. It's going to turn on them. It might take five years, 10 years, but I see it coming. They will all be Republicans, and it's going to backfire in these Dems' faces with these uh, elections. That's a,
1: that's an interesting don't... point, Pete. You know, I mean, you look at even, like, Myra Flores. Um, that was the woman in that district that was typically a blue Democratic district in Texas, and she got elected. In fact, her husband's a border agent. Uh, republican in a special election and she said uh, just what you said it's interesting uh people have not said that you know maybe short term they may be democrats and that's what i think they're hoping on because i can't imagine any other reason why you would have an open border like they do where they're not vetting them for their criminal history they're not vetting them for coronavirus. They're not vetting him at all. And they're having a big green light and just letting him basically through. And I don't blame Governor Abbott for shipping him elsewhere across the country and sending a message to political leaders. I don't blame him at all. Um, But your point's a great one because you're right. Eventually, um, maybe at first they may say, oh, gosh, you know, thank God for Biden. He let us in and let us have, uh, you know, free resources and all this other stuff. Um, just like a lot of the Obama voters, remember, a lot of those were like, oh, free phone. So maybe they'll say, hey, free country. Hello. Hey, I got it. Um, I don't blame them for wanting to come to the greatest country in the world, America, because it is. Um, but you're right. It could eventually turn. That's a fascinating point. And I haven't heard anybody else say that. Bravo to you. Great, great point. Uh, let's go to Al. Line seven. Al, your thoughts.
9: Yeah. Hello, Rita. You know, I just wanted to say, you know, the governor who's seeking a second term in uh, in the Lone Star state of Texas uh, he's done so much to try to stop the migration, the illegal migration into this country, and it's it's such a disappointment that on the federal level uh, they're giving him, him such a hard time, and it's it's hard to uh, fathom what the Biden administration has done to undo the positive things that the Trump administration did at the border.
1: And you know what, to, Al, you also hit on a great point because they have been vilifying uh, the Trump administration. Like, like in every single way, it's like anything that had Trump fingerprints on it, they've said forget it. Like remain in Mexico, uh, trying to, you know, usurp Title 42. I mean, and, and it's so politically obvious. It's so destructive to the country. And I think it's so dangerous. Al, thank you. Great points. Let's go to David, New Jersey. David, your thoughts?
5: Thanks for taking my call, Rita. As an honorably discharged United States non combat Navy veteran,
1: oh, thank you for your things, service, by the way. Thank you very much.
5: Thank you. One of the things that has always disgusted me is how Republicans always support amnesty for illegal aliens. Gotta remember, Rita, just because my daddy supported NAFTA doesn't mean that, well,
1: Wait, 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 David. Hang on one second. You brought up amnesty. You mean Democrats Mm -hmm. support amnesty. You said Republicans support amnesty.
5: George W. Bush, along with his limp-wristed late father, along with Kevin McCarthy, the gun grabber, Krispy Kreme, Chris Christie, Trey Gowdy, all support amnesty for millions of illegal aliens. And let's not let out, forget, uh, Lindsay.
1: No, you by the way, by the way, David, David, you David, you're right that a number of them have supported amnesty um, and uncertain different conditions. There's been discussions. You're right about that. Um, And you're right about Bush and others, too. So that that's a really powerful point that it is not just a Republican Democrat issue. But I would also say on the flip side that overall Republicans are much more concerned about security at the border. Um, You know, they've had different approaches about giving amnesty or not giving amnesty to those who are already here, uh, but a very different story about potentially allowing those in. I mean, if you listen to other folks like Lindsey Graham and a number number of others, they've been very steadfast about keeping the border closed, but trying to find a solution for those who are here, um, because that's a much trickier thing when they're already here in the country. Uh, Let's go to Maria, line eight. Maria, your thoughts. Go ahead, Maria. Rita, I just came from London about two
4: days ago. It's not just happening here. This is no longer an invasion problem. This is an invasion problem. It The, the Democrats have joined in with the One World Order. Um, in, in London, you don't think you're in the middle of London. I was in Edgware, and I said to myself, where am I? This is happening in every country. It's called Democrats joining in uh, in, uh, in uh, supporting the invasion of... Uh, of our country and changing our culture. Also, Joe Biden, as far as uh, his policies, don't blame Joe Biden. Don't blame Democrats. Blame the people that voted for him and blame the feckless media who has obviously sold out to the Democratic Party. Believe it or not, they are the ones that are responsible for this mess.
1: Well, and Maria, I agree. There's a lot of people that are responsible. And sometimes people say stuff on the campaign trail And you think, okay, well, they say that to get elected and then they kind of go into the middle. Uh, President Biden was saying a lot of stuff like far left to try to get elected, remember? Um, And so far, the far left has been ruling the roost. And you're right. We're getting often what he was promoting. You know, I mean, a lot of those people, the AOCs and The Bernie Sanders and all these people who have been pushing this like far left policy and the Green New Deal and all this stuff seem to be ruling the roost there at the White House. Um, And it's really frightening. And you're right. People voted for them and sort of thought, oh, God, that sounds good. It sounds like a fairy tale. And the people that wanted that and he promised, oh, I'll get rid of fossil fuel. I'll do that. And sadly, he said, remember, he said on day one, I will cancel the Keystone Pipeline. He held true to his promise. Sadly, he held true to his promise. And you're right. It's a powerful lesson that when you go to the voting booth, you have to think about those people who care about your wallet, care about your country, care about security. And boy, things have gone downhill in just this uh, period of time. Um, I want to play now, you guys, these comments, because as we're talking about the border, a lot of things came out in the last 24 hours that have been just really sad about the case at the Uvalde school. Remember, that is when... That guy opened fire on the Uvalde school, killing 19 kids and two teachers. And that school is right there near the border. And in fact, they played some footage first off, uh, a body cam footage. And you have to hear it because as you are hearing this, remember, there are now at this point probably hundreds of law enforcement officers that are in the school, many of them around the school, surrounding the suspect And yet they are not going in and attacking him and taking him out. And today it just gets uglier and uglier. The details that are coming out that there were close to 400 police that were at Uvalde school and it was a huge breakdown. And in fact, um, you know, you hear just the mistake after mistake after mistake. And I want to hear your thoughts on who's to blame and should there be repercussions First off, here is the body cam footage from an officer that was there inside the school. Take a listen. Ah.
2: Ah. Oh. Am I bleeding? Am I bleeding? Am I
3: bleeding? it's oh. my wife's classroom. He's sitting in the classroom. Uh, me, right? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Here we go.
9: He's in the class. Dude, if I got shots fired, we're gonna be in the uh, the building,
5: the west side. Dude, we gotta get in there.
1: We gotta get in there. He's We gotta get, got get, got get in there. You hear him say, "We gotta get in there." And guess what? It took a long time till they did get in there—more than an hour and they know that there were kids calling from inside saying please come in please come in please come in and help us please come in and you even hear them say on tape that they know that there are kids still calling and victims inside and today there are many family members that say that all these police that were there on the scene that did not rush should resign that they should no longer be you guys all know we are huge supporters of our men and women in blue i love the the police And the police do an amazing job. But if you are not ready to charge that scene when you know that there are kids and you hear the bullets flying and that we got to get in there, we got to get in there. And you wait an hour to get in there. You should not be, I don't think, in law enforcement anymore. That's how I feel. And I want to hear your thoughts. It is heartbreaking to hear. They also report because this school was near the border that they had a lot of different alerts because there were often like illegal immigrants that had escaped border patrol. So they would frequently get alerts saying, hey, lock the school, lock down the doors. And sometimes, you know, when you get so many alerts, you don't pay attention to them. And they say that that may have even played a role where they didn't lock the doors. Remember, the shooter was able to just walk inside the school and walk into the classroom. So what are your thoughts about who is to blame? They became sort of numb to all the different times that there were illegal immigrants that came through and they'd get alerts that they didn't lock the doors. And they also said that it looked like nobody was in charge and that they were all just kind of waiting for somebody to tell them to go in and nobody was telling them to go in. To me, this is abominable. And you've got these family members that are saying somebody needs to be held accountable. Let me play. This is Texas Congressman, Texas Representative Burroughs, who said that it was a huge disaster, the response on so many levels. Take a listen to what he said.
10: I would invite everybody to read the entire report. You cannot cherry-pick one sentence and use it to say everything without reading it, all together and with context. But if we need a simple phrase to describe what the report says, again, I would tell you multiple systemic failures.
1: Multiple systemic failures failures how heartbreaking is this when we come back i want to hear from you what should happen to the law enforcement officers you see the videotape you hear that they hear the gunshots going and saying we got to get in there and they still wait about an hour before they actually go in is there anybody out there that in law enforcement we have a lot of you who listen to the show that if you heard that would you wait you gotta charge And if you are not willing to charge as dangerous as that is, then I don't think you should be in law enforcement. I think there should be some serious repercussions there. And that guy who is supposed to be the leader in charge of it all, uh, my goodness, this can never happen again. Who do you blame and where do you think the mistakes lie? And do you think some people should be held accountable and how so? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and we'll take your calls when we come back.
0: You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show.
1: And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Stunning footage coming from a body cam of a law enforcement officer showing officers standing around, uh, panicking, but not charging. And we're talking about the Uvalde school shooting. It is just so heartbreaking. And listen, I love law enforcement. You guys know uh, they do a superb job, but in this case, they get an F. And the school security also gets an F because it sounds like there were a lot of breakthroughs, breakdowns. 376 cops were on the scene, and yet uh, nobody was charging the shooter. There was first in a gunfire exchange real quickly, but then they waited at least another hour to go back at him again, and they hear the gunfire still going on in the classroom. And today, uh, family members who lost loved ones like this Uvalde grandfather are outraged to hear that there was such a huge breakdown in leadership and they want someone to be responsible. Take a listen. That's their job, to go in there regardless if they have only guns. How about those kids in there? Including
2: my great-granddaughter? Huh? They didn't have the colors and pencils. And they call themselves officers of
1: the law and that they protect, they don't protect nothing. Uh, can you imagine if you were a family member i I don't i would be beside myself i'm outraged for them and it is heartbreaking to see they lost precious time they made huge mistakes and i think those law enforcement officers who did not charge at least the supervisors and maybe others need to all be fired i think immediately 1-800-848-9222 let's go to mike in new york city line four mike your thoughts
11: Hey Rita, long time listener, to the whole thing. Absolutely, they made a huge mistake there. Their job is to go in. You have to eliminate the threat. You do not stand there. You do not do nothing. You go in, eliminate the threat. If he continues shooting, the threat is there. You have to Mike, go in. Are you? Um, are out.
1: you? Um, are you law enforcement, right? If I remember right, are you retired NYPD? Yes, yes I am. So wow. So here you. And you I still you train,
11: know. Yeah. And I still try to. Into- in the private sector, we still train that. Your job is to eliminate the threat. You're called to the scene. You must go in there, identify them, and eliminate them. That's all. You're not there for the victims. You're there to stop the shooting. Yeah, that I, is it.
1: 1,000% agree, Mike. Thank you very much. And by the way, thank you for your service, too, Mike, because law enforcement, it's a tough job. Uh, and 99.999%, they do an amazing job, and we need to herald them. And when they make a mistake like they clearly did do here, uh, boy, they made a fatal mistake in so many ways. Mike, thank you very much. Let's go to Dominic uh, calling from Brooklyn. Line six. Go ahead, Dominic. Hi, Rita. I just
11: think that the uh, police department of California, a bunch of cowards.
1: You mean uh, mean uh, Texas,
11: Texas? Oh, Texas. My mistake. Um,
1: Yeah, they they, are. um, You know what? You know what? And by the way, Dominic. It is a hard thing. I will defend police. I mean, when suddenly you got a guy who's opening fire, he's clearly got more firepower than at least the initial officers did who came on the scene. Um, but then they got a shield, you know, and I don't know why they waited 30 minutes after they got a shield. Um, I agree with you. Uh, I think it, they. It, it is a hard thing to do, but your job is to charge. That is your responsibility. I don't care if you have a toothpick. You got to charge and try to take him out. And are you telling me, you know, I sit there and I think, are you telling me that like, you know, several officers, you know, three or four or five of them coming at them, you know, from different directions, couldn't have taken them out right away. You need to go where the threat is. That's the training. That's what they're paid to do. And they failed miserably. Law enforcement are great folks, but they get an F on this one.